the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead. I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. As you know, I hold a JD, and I also hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am a master of the laws of taxation law, and also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, both of my great master's degrees in law were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, located in the beautiful city of San Francisco. Now, because of my training, my experiences, my lifelong interests in business and finance and wealth creation and wealth transfer and the roles that these particular aspects of the social science of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, also debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And as I've shared with you before, I'm proud to say that part of my practice, I sometimes have the opportunity to at least attempt to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves at targets of, and sometimes, unfortunately, the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that you can imagine. So, I'm coming to you again today from my continued lockdown, from my makeshift studios in my home in another great world-class city, California City, that is to say the beautiful city of Oakland. And I come to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, as always, I must preface my remarks by asking you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least a general outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help if you're having legal issues dealing with your finances. And I do this because, as I'm known for saying, I believe representing yourself in a legal matter, especially one concerning your financial assets, is just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. In such a situation, if you're lucky and your adversary is napping, and she won't be, but just in case she is, and you are able to sneak up on her and get real close, you might be able to scratch her on the arm or even poke her in the eye with your butter knife. 
but more than likely, you're the one who's going to be dead on arrival. That is to say, I'm talking about your valid claim and your righteous defenses are going to see the promised land way before you do. So, once again, I share the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money. And more probably than not in these trying times, the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect your and or your families and or your businesses and your employees, financial health, wealth and money related well-being. As I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational forum. Now, for those of you who are regular listeners, you know, for the last several weeks, I've been discussing what, in my opinion, are the three key business contract-related COVID-19 economic survival tactics small business owners need to at least consider and make part of their long-term strategic plans to keep their businesses afloat until we get past this pandemic or at least get it under control. So once again, in sum, the three things I think all small business owners need to at least learn about and have a working knowledge of are one, the contours of their commercial leases for clues on how to defend themselves if they face eviction from a commercial leasehold after their business has been shut down by the government. Two, the contours of their business insurance policy for clues on how to challenge their insurers for denying a business interruption claim. And third, the pros and cons of filing for bankruptcy in order to possibly gain access to a neutral arena with a United States constitutionally mandated bent towards the goal of the reclamation of the financial lives of honest but unfortunate debtors such that they may be able to obtain a fresh start or a financial rehabilitation of a distressed business such that it can continue on and be able to employ people and pay taxes. Now, this neutral arena can also be used by a debtor to deal with any negative aspects or issues discovered upon the review of their commercial lease or their insurance contract and for any other debtor-creditor relationship issue. Now, over the course of the last several weeks, we have discussed the first two tactics in great detail. That is to say, reading and rereading our commercial leases and our insurance contracts until they become so familiar, uh, until we become so familiar with the clauses in these contracts that we know their content as well as we know the names of our children. Because... Sometimes knowing that and being able to challenge entities is what we're going to need to continue to be able to provide for our children. Then last week, we dug a little bit deeper into the third tactic, I believe, the economically distressed business owner needs to undertake. That is to consult with a knowledgeable bankruptcy attorney to discuss the pros and cons of filing for bankruptcy in order to obtain the protection of the United States Bankruptcy Court, a federal court in equity, while the owner tries to either save her business through reorganization or shut it down permanently through an orderly court-supervised liquidation and then get on with her life by starting a new business or getting a job or doing both. Now, 
I make this suggestion because as I've shared with you before, business owners should know that one of the bankruptcy court's most powerful business rehabilitation tools, in the case of reorganization anyway, that is to say a chapter 12 for a farmer or a fisher person, a chapter 13 for a sole proprietor with a limited amount of debt, or a chapter 11 for a sole proprietor or any individual or family in general with a large amount of debt, or a business of any size, especially one that's established as an artificial person, such as a corporation or a limited liability company, or the new subchapter five for businesses of a certain size offering an expedited process. That most powerful business rehabilitation tool is that the bankruptcy court has the ability to rewrite or modify existing contracts between debtors and creditors. As such, it's my belief that with the right advocacy and sufficient evidence, once under the court's protection and as part of her business plan of reorganization, a small business owner or a business of any size, for that matter, may be able to convince a bankruptcy judge to modify the terms or even rewrite or even reject or even allow her to reassign her commercial lease with her landlord and or compel her insurer to make good on her insurance policy. And as I've said before, in the vernacular of the streets, these are some pretty blanking awesome powers that a distressed business needs to consider. So when we come back, we're going to continue today's important topic, the three tactics all small business owners need to at least consider as part of their strategic plan to try and save their business that has been shut down by governmental mandate by looking at the bankruptcy court as a potential safe harbor to sort out our business contractual relationships. But before we go, I've heard from some of you and you wonder why I have been absolutely silent about some of the things that have transpired in our country the, these first few weeks of January. And it's not that I didn't observe them, and it's not that I have not been appalled by them. It's just that I am not in any, I don't have the power to do anything about it. And I think it's more important that I focus my energy on this show to share with you things within my power. And I have to tell you, it, it was appalling to see our government taken over by people who wanted to basically harm our elected officials. I'm, I'm not down with that. I'm not down with that in any way, shape, or form. I urge all of us to pray just as I have that we can resolve the many fissures in our country and I'm going to leave it to the Congress, especially the Senate, to deal with the facts and the law concerning who might or might not be charged 
with insurrection. But I got to tell you, it caused me great concern, as I'm sure it caused all of you to be possibly witnessing the end of our democracy. I am just so pleased at what I've seen the last three days. It gives me comfort that we will have the ability to move forward, move forward together to resolve the many issues that we have in this country. So I urge all of us to to pray, to keep our heads on straight, keep hope alive and do what is necessary to maintain this great country that provides so many opportunities for most of us as we figure out how to bring up the rest of us who have been left behind. So that's why I haven't said anything. I, I, I wanted to be able to say this in a new era where we have a new president and a new administration. And I, like he, believe we need to look forward but we also have to take care to make sure that nobody is above the law. So when we come back, we'll get back to our discussion. So please stay tuned and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue days in... Let's start over again. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue today's important topic, the three tactics all small business owners need to at least consider as part of their strategic plan to try and save their businesses that have been shut down by governmental mandate due to COVID-19 by looking at the bankruptcy court as a potential safe harbor to sort out our business contractual relationships. So, Let's begin our discussion of some of the key issues in small business bankruptcies taken from a book I've been writing on the subject. When I first started the book many moon ago, it was geared towards young lawyers interested in the subject matter. However, I now believe a more appropriate audience is the small business owner, him or herself. So I'm refocusing my efforts in order to provide some insight to small business owners and their families in financial distress facing a lack of liquidity problem by looking at the key differences between Chapters 13 and individual or small business bankruptcies under Chapter 11 of the Bankruptcy Code. And later on in the series of talks, we'll fold in the new subchapter 5 into the discussion. But first, inquiring minds want to know, what the hell is bankruptcy anyway? And why do I keep saying bankruptcy is so important to and even necessary in a capitalistic economy? Well, what is bankruptcy? I'll put it like this. Every single day, individuals and small business entities in our communities and all across this country and all around the world make promises to others that the party making the promise sometimes cannot or will not keep, such as breaching a contract to pay back a loan of money to purchase, say, a home or a car or a business asset, or to timely pay her commercial lease. When the promisor breaches her contract, breaches her duty under the contracts, 
that breach will likely cause the other party, the counterparty, a financial loss. And unless the other party is grandma and the promised action is to love grandma forever, sealed with a kiss, the promised party will likely undertake collections and or legal action to recover the promised payments, the collateral, the house or the car, or both the payment and the collateral, as well as the legal and other expenses related to collecting the debt. So what we're talking about here is the recovery of money or another thing or any other thing of value owed by a debtor to her creditors. Money is often referred to as debt, and the person or organization that owes the money is called a debtor. The person or organization to whom the money is owed is called the creditor. Anything of value that is owed by a person or organization and can be used to pay a debt or fulfill a financial obligation is called an asset. Examples of assets are money, real estate, cars, stocks, bonds, and the like. If a debtor owes more money than the value of all of her assets, we say that she is insolvent. Let's say, for example... Selwyn owes a total of $55,000 to all of her creditors. She owes $10,000 to Richard, $5,000 to Sally, $25,000 in federal income tax, and $15,000 to a credit card company. Here, Selwyn is the debtor with a total debt of $55,000. The creditors are Richard, Sally, the federal government, and the credit card company. If the present value that is to say the fair market value of all of Selwyn's assets, that is to say the equity in her home or the real estate, the equity in her cars, her stocks and bonds, etc., are valued less than $55,000, Selwyn is considered to be insolvent. This is another way of saying that if everything Selwyn owns was put together and sold at their fair market value, the sale would generate enough, it would not generate enough cash to pay back all that Selwyn owes. So that's basically the problem. Selwyn is insolvent. Unfortunately, as often happens with people like Selwyn and companies and even governmental units, even when not faced with a pandemic, they sometimes find themselves in a position where they're unable to pay their debts as they come due, also known as being in financial distress, and where the debts are large enough to create a great deal of continuing economic hardship, that's a real problem. Now, sometimes the financial distress and hardship is the debtor's own fault, such as through improvident financial decisions, and sometimes it isn't, such as unanticipated medical expenses that are not covered by insurance, a divorce where you go from having one household to two or more and not having enough income to go around, or as a result of misplaced trust in a business associate who commits embezzlement, 
or as a result of a vindictive person with control over the debtor's means of making a living or the lack of income brought on by a pandemic. Regardless of the cause of distress, in such case, the law provides a remedy that's spelled out in Article 1, Section 8 of the United States Constitution, where, it's, where it grants to the United States Congress the mandate to issue uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcy, as currently manifest by the United States Bankruptcy Code and the federal rules of bankruptcy procedure, along with the appropriate federal and state codes and statutes and case law. Bankruptcy is a legal procedure that can be used by individuals, companies, and governmental units that are insolvent. That is, when they owe more money than they're able to pay, to repay. Bankruptcy allows the debtor to be released from all or part of her debt. However, bankruptcy can also be used by individuals, companies, and governmental units who are solvent on paper, but when I say solvent on paper, their balance sheet shows that they have a higher number of the value of their assets than their liabilities. So they may be solvent on paper, but they lack the liquidity to pay their debts as they're come, come due. For example, all of their value of their assets might be tied up in real property that takes a long time to liquidate without basically giving it away. In cases of a solvent debtor, they may seek and gain the time through bankruptcy to gain the necessary liquidity, such as selling some of or all of their assets without resulting to a fire sale, which unfortunately sometimes happens. Now, when a person or an organization initiates a bankruptcy procedure, we say they file a petition in their local bankruptcy court, because bankruptcy courts are appended to district courts, which are distributed throughout the country, asking that court to place the debtor under the protection of the court where in the case of a Chapter 7, she, the debtor, can have access to an orderly liquidation of her non-exempt assets while keeping her exempt assets to underwrite her fresh start once she is discharged of her other debt. Or in the case of a Chapter 11, 12 or 13, place the debtor under the protection of the court and give her time to come up with a plan of reorganization wherein she can maintain the control of her assets while paying what the court believes is a reasonable amount back to her creditors based on their class. The importance of bankruptcy is that it provides a way out for an otherwise hopeless situation. As such, bankruptcy is an essential economic instrument, one that can transfer an overburdened individual back into a productive and useful member of society. Similarly, bankruptcy can also be used to restore the usefulness of governments or the profitability of companies. Under a Chapter 7 context, the bankruptcy process is coordinated by a licensed and bonded professional called a bankruptcy trustee or simply a trustee 
who works under the supervision of the bankruptcy court and with the Office of the United States Trustee, an entity of the U.S. Department of Justice. As a general rule, a trustee is hired, that is to say, appointed by the bankruptcy court and paid out of the assets uh, that she can recover in the case of a liquidation bankruptcy or as part of the plan payments in a reorganization bankruptcy. You should know that bankruptcy trustees, many of which are lawyers, however, some are CPAs. Now, with that said, I'm going to leave it here for now. And the next time we get together, we're going to continue our look at bankruptcy as a potential strategy. However, I like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, especially when the law will legitimately and ethically keep us in our businesses and keep us afloat so we can take care of our families and employees during this terrible pandemic until we can get vaccinated against it. So until next time, mask up, keep your social distance, wash your hands. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content.